live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're going to be here all day! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party! Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Back and better than ever after a little respite at the beach, it is great to be with you on this Thursday, April 21st, the year 2022. How you doing, everybody? Hope everybody had a great Easter. If your kids are still off from school, enjoying the last few days of of uh, of that little vacation before the grind toward the end of the school year begins. And um, and away we go. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons as we come to you from the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette, we're also 1041 in Lake Charles, and it's great to be back. Although I tell you what, I wouldn't mind taking my equipment and just moving to the beach and doing my show from there each and every day. James, I missed you a little bit. Hope everything went well, and I appreciate uh, everyone for filling in for him. Buddy, how have you been? I've been all right. Uh, Definitely didn't sleep a lot last night, but we're rolling. Didn't sleep a lot last night. What happened last night? Oh, I stayed up till about three thirty, uh, putting up my latest mock draft, and then I had to come Ooh. in early because we had a we had a couple meetings. I got you. Mock draft. Sean Payton says he's surprised, not surprised that the Saints got two picks in the first round. He said normally you do that to package them to move up to get a quarterback. Is that what you did, or did you keep both picks? Uh, I usually keep picks. I'm not one to make up. Dra- make up trades before they actually happen because it's like then then it throws everything even more off than it already would be. Hey, no offense, I'm going to go with Sean Payton's uh, prediction on that one rather than you, simply because he's got a Super Bowl championship. Just saying, just kidding. I don't know what the Saints are going to do. That's coming down the road. I do know that we have some Pelicans talk today because um, series tied, the game of peace, the Smoothie King Center. Sold out for games three and four, which will occur tomorrow night and uh, Sunday night. Devin Booker could miss the remainder of the series versus the Pels, a report says, uh, to be determined. He certainly will miss the next two with um, the issue of a grade one hamstring strain. Most Reports say that that usually takes two to three weeks to heal and and get right again. So we will keep you up to date on that. Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights will join us to talk about that. Grant Hughes of uh, Bleacher Report will get the grand scope of how about the Celtics overcoming a 17-point deficit and putting the clamps on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to take a two-games-to-none lead in that game. And the defending world champion Milwaukee Bucks have lost Chris Middleton for a while. Um, How long that will be, we shall see. But he'll miss the remainder of their series against the Chicago Bulls. And the Bulls 
won a game last night against Milwaukee. So we will see what happens there. We'll recap all of the NBA playoffs with uh, Grant Hughes. Bill Frankes will join us at 3 o'clock. LSU baseball back on the diamond tonight. They swept Mississippi State in Starkville. They got swept by Arkansas in Fayetteville. They haven't been home in a while for an SEC series. Tigers coming off that midweek win over the Ragin' Cajuns, but now they take on, <coughs> excuse me, Missouri. The three losses that the Tigers suffered in Fayetteville dropped them to fifth place in the SEC West standings at seven and eight in league play after five of 10 series. So they still have five more to go, plenty more baseball to go. And LSU is still just one game outside of second place in the division with all their goals within reach. Uh, Missouri is five and 10 in league play, but it's coming off of three consecutive wins, including the final two games of its series last weekend versus Kentucky and a win over Missouri state on Tuesday night. Um, so tonight, seven o'clock, Friday, six thirty, Saturday, noon. Now, why, why, oh, why are we having a baseball game at noon on Saturday and the spring football game at one o'clock? Why can't we modify? I know baseball's ruled by television, football. You couldn't have moved it till after the baseball game, and maybe all those. Baseball fans would come over to Tiger Stadium to watch. Makes little to no sense whatsoever. But anyway, I'm just saying. Uh, so Bill Frank, as we'll uh, preview the Mizzou series with us at 3 o'clock. Something happened uh, last week while I was gone for the first time in 30 years. And that's the LSU women's golf team can now claim themselves as SEC champions. It happened back in 1992. Now it happened in 2022. We'll talk with head coach Garrett Runyon at around 3.15. And uh, he's got a superstar golfer, going to be on the LPGA Tour. Uh, and they are SEC champs. Can they do what Chuck Winstead's team did a few years back in winning the SEC championship and going on to win the national championship? Certainly within the the realm of possibilities. So we'll talk to Garrett about that. And then Michael Huguenin uh, will join us uh, today instead of on Wednesday, because I was off yesterday. Frank Schwab couldn't do anything today with the NFL draft coming up. He's on a family vacation. So uh, hump day plus one with Huguenin will be the case. So there you go. Um, I don't know what I missed while I was gone. I, I got to be honest with you. I um, didn't look at one single iota of a thing, but I know that LSU has a spring football game and football rules the roost. They've had two consecutive non-winning seasons. They've got a whole new coaching staff. They've had a significant amount of turnover on its roster since the end of last season. This coaching staff isn't tied to any returning players and no returning players can claim a role uh, in significant team success the past two seasons. So nothing is etched in stone. Trying to predict a fall depth chart, these final few days of spring practice is, I think, is ludicrous at best. Um, but there are certain things that 
people should probably take a really good look at between now and the season opener against Florida State on Labor Day weekend. Everybody talks about the offensive line. I think they're in better shape than most people give them credit for. I'm concerned about the secondary. LSU likes to call itself DBU because it's produced a series of uh, NFL defensive backs. But, um, wow, if that's going to be the case this year, it's going to be due in part to several backs who began their college careers elsewhere. I'm curious to see what Ohio State cornerback Seven Banks looks like. I don't know if he's going to play, but he entered LSU through the transfer portal this week, so I'm sure he won't. He needs to get acclimated and adjusted. How will former Raging Cajun Mecky Garner play? Jarek Bernard Converse from Oklahoma State. Greg Brooks Jr. from Arkansas. Joe Fuchsia from Arkansas. Major Burns, who played for LSU in 2021 after transferring from Georgia. So that's just something. This makeover is very, very significant. LSU intercepted a league low eight passes last season. That's the fewest they've had since 2008. You're going to have playmakers along the defensive line. I think that's the strength of the club, so that'll be interesting uh, to note. Uh, of course, the offensive line, um, how that's, uh, how are they going to construct it? Um, Kelly certainly addressed rebuilding the offensive line, which doesn't return any full-time starters. He went to the portal. He got Miles Frazier from Florida International. Traymond Shorts from East Tennessee State. That's not like playing against Alabama, Auburn, Georgia. That's a whole different world. How good are they? How good will they be against SEC competition? Time will only tell. Brian Kelly's got two scholarships remaining to use. I would I'd be shocked if he didn't use at least one of them on another offensive lineman. And not so much not only is it trying to pick a quarterback out of four with miles brennan garrett nussmeyer arizona state transfer Jaden daniels and the five-star recruit walker howard but it's trying to figure out okay which quarterback gives us the best opportunity to win <coughs> excuse me what does he do best so we can we can determine the evolution of our offense what are they going to do i remember Brian Kelly quoting each has each of the quarterbacks have different traits and different characteristics and each of them is capable of starting. So it's, it's going to be his job to get the best out of those quarterbacks and tinker with an offense that suits their skill set, And that's the job of a high paced, uh, high paid coach. So we shall see, we shall see spring game Saturday at one, Uh, It'll be an opportunity to see exactly free of charge and you can see exactly what's, what's going on plain and simple. Um, Ben Simmons reportedly plans to make his debut for the Nets game four against the Boston Celtics. Good luck with that, buddy. Good luck with that against that team and that defense and that length. Good luck to that. We shall see. So that's just some of the storylines of the day. Uh, we are brought to you each and every Thursday by, who am I going to bring it by today? Ducks, Ducks, the indoor air professionals. 
you know, that uh, it, 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 it's like your dryer vent and ducks works on dryer vents as well. You, you know, you get the lint out of your dryer, out of the little thing you lift out. Right. But what about that exhaust pipe that's going outside? Man, that thing gets clogged and it puts strain and wear and tear on your machine, increases your electrical bill. Same thing with your air conditioning unit. For ducks, D-U-C-T-Z, they clean America's air from the inside out. Ducks, D-U-C-T-Z. All right, we'll take our first time out of the day. Heavy focus in this hour, and rightly so. The Pels are on a roll. Series tied a game apiece. Game three, Friday at the Blender. Sold out. Everybody wearing red. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights joins us next here on the Jordy Heltberg Show. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Back and better than ever. Reunited. And it feels so good. We'll be right back. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Pelicans, Suns, game three, coming up Friday night, 8.30, sold out, Smoothie King Center. Oh, yeah, it's going to be rocking. It's going to be great. Everybody wearing red. And um, the big news coming out of Phoenix is that star Devin Booker has suffered a grade one right hamstring strain, according to Sources in the know that injury typically requires two to three weeks of recovery. But the Pels uh, being smart, um, figuring that Booker will be back sooner than the standard timetable. Um, Booker will likely miss games three and four against the Pels. And that certainly helps. Um, The Suns are still evaluating his MRI results to get a full picture of the injury and a clearer timeline for a return. He scored 31 points in the first half. He went out shortly thereafter, um, didn't score in the third quarter, and with 4.45 left in the period, he immediately asked for a timeout, went to the locker room after appearing to tweak his right hamstring as he was jumping to challenge a Jackson Hayes Duncan transition. First off, that's a silly, silly thing to try to do because um, Jackson Hayes gets up. Anyway, the 31 points, uh, certainly him being out of the lineup helped, but the Pels got the win 125 to 114 to to even up the series at a game apiece. Ali Cassell at the Bird writes, sent me a text last night when I asked him to come on the show. He said, how about this? How about these Pels? And I went, I know, it's, it's amazing. Ali, good afternoon, man. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. How can you not? Sun is shining. The Pels took game two. The season or the series is even. 
and they're coming home for two games. And Devin Booker doesn't look like he's going to play. Great yeah, opportunity. Um, great opportunity. The Suns were 8-6 and six in games without Booker uh, this season. Most of those wins came against non-playoff teams. But um, where, do, where does Phoenix go? They, they've played without Chris Paul. They've played without Devin Booker. They've played without both. Who do you think fills in for Booker? And, man, that's asking an awful lot because he's a stud. Yeah, last year, you know, they had a lot of good players playing during their playoff run. Campaign is the one that jumps to mind, right? Yeah. The guard off the bench. But I'll tell you what, yeah. he hasn't been playing well. So I'm looking at Cam Johnson, uh, the, the the guy that I think we can all say that Trey Murphy's probably going to follow in his footsteps on the type of game he's going to produce. And, and, of course, Cam Johnson, he, he's not more. He's not just a shooter, Jordy. He's had some big right. games this year for them. I think he exploded for recently, what was it, about three weeks ago or something like that, about 35 points. So he's going to be getting the ball a lot more. He's going to be probably getting up about 15 shots. And if he's hot, boy, Falcons got to contend and get out on him. Because as we saw what Devin Booker did right in that first half of game two, when one of those Suns gets hot, boy, they can just carry their offense. Um, speaking of carrying an offense, Brandon Ingram has, um, you know, it's you make your name and you make your money when it's playoff time. And he's making both. He has been sensational. Best game I've ever seen him play, right? Yeah. Game two, 37 points, 11 rebounds, nine assists. I wish he would have gotten that one more assist. So he could have had his first career tri- triple-double in his first right. career playoff win. But, hey, it's good enough. <laughs> yeah. I will say, yeah, Jordan, he has been really playing just better and better. Yeah, The Pelicans don't win um, that game in L.A. against the Clippers if he doesn't have that first half. And then he goes 3-3 three three over the last six minutes to uh, advance into the playoffs. There's so many moments where he's had this year that have kind of flown under the radar just because the Pelicans aren't, you know, over 500. that They didn't get in the playoffs the usual way, but he's definitely improved. You know, first year, all-star appearance. Second year, put up the same numbers. This third year, he's become such a much bigger leader, but also he's shining in the big moments. That was the knock on him, right, entering the season. Can he uh, perform in the clutch? Because he certainly hadn't up to this point in his career. But now he's answered all those questions. He's legitimately playing like a superstar right now. He's always been a scorer, but really what impresses me is his assists now. He, I always thought, well, the ball went to Brandon Ingram and the ball stopped at Brandon Ingram. He was going to pound it, pound it, pound it, try to get to his spot and shoot it. But, man, he's given the basketball up. The game is, um, you know, he, he's not forcing things, but, but when the Pels need a bucket – they know who to go to. And what's really impressive besides that, series tied one apiece, and we haven't seen anything close to the best of what C.J. McCollum has brought to date. He hasn't played his normal way uh, in these first two games, in my opinion. No, he hasn't been as efficient right from the field. Yeah. And also with the turnovers. He's had some really poor turnovers yes. uh, last few games to where he, that's, not, that's not him. If you've watched his career, he doesn't make those type of plays. Those bad plays. So, no, I'm expecting much better play out of CJ. Not sure if B.I. can keep up that 37, 11, and 9 line, but, <laughs> hey, that's fine because CJ should be able to score 30 himself. And remember, when he first came over in a trade, that's what he was doing. He was right there shooting about 50% from the field, 40 from three, 90 from the – well, not from the free throw line. He's, he's kind of been off on the free throw line, but point stands. He can give you 30 with a, maybe eight assists a night. So, that's why it's so great to see Brandon playing the way he is because he does have another star – back there with him in, in, in on the perimeter. 
And the Pels have some other scores, right? Valanciunas, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet either. No, Jordy. no, no. Uh, the bench has been terrific. But you know, playoff basketball is all about adjustments. And so the Suns are going to do something different to try to um, slow down a Brandon Ingram. That's why I think the trade to get C.J. McCollum is so, so, so significant. What about the matchup of um, the rookie Herb Jones at what? I don't know. How, how tall is he? 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", on Chris Paul. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, he's 6'8". Now, without a doubt, boy, Chris Paul is going to be, you know, missing Devin Booker because all eyes are going to be on him. Not only will Herb Jones be on him 100% of the time, likely when he's out there on the court, then he'll have to contend with Jose Alvarado. And the Pelicans have some decent help defenders as well, right? If he gets a switch, well, he, he tried to hunt down Jackson Hayes in game two. It didn't work. So suddenly the Pelicans are really coming together on both sides of the ball. And like I said, when, when, when he's not going to have his right-hand man, that all-star, that put up 31 points in the first half, Chris Paul, he's, he's looking at a tough run. I don't know if he can do it, Jordy, because here's the thing for me that I'm looking at. With Devin now not playing, how many minutes is Chris Paul going to have to play? And we know when he gets above like about 34 minutes, his body can't really handle that kind of stress every other day. So it's going to be right. curious to see what Monty Williams does with him. Does he push him just because they've got to advance, right, to stay alive? Or yeah. will he rely on the rest of the guys, even if it comes at a cost of production? They have depth. There's no question, as you mentioned earlier. I really believe they're going to try and um, get DeAndre Ayton much more involved offensively. Um you know, he's kind of taking a back seat. He's their third main main cog, I would think. I, I've mm-hmm. got to believe that they're going to try and get him involved yeah. actively. Now, can can Valanciunas stay with him? Is Aiton going to bring him out to the to the mid range game? I, I think that's the plan. What do you? How do you think the Pels counteract that? Yeah, well, I would think that Valanciunas now doesn't really have to sit near the rim. He's going to have to make sure he gets that on DeAndre. Yeah. We saw in game two, he, he splashed down seemingly every mid-range uh, jumper he got. And I'll be honest, I think DeAndre Ayton has been long underutilized in Phoenix ever since Chris Paul teamed up with Devin Booker. I agree. By becoming that third guy, his numbers right have suffered. And I think he's capable of so much more. So now, yeah. of course, he's got that opportunity. And I, I'm 100% with you. They're going to have to turn to him because he's reliable offense. And, you know, Jonas isn't the world's best defender, right? He, he's no. solid. He does what he does, but he's not as quick. He doesn't jump, and I'm not sure who else on the Pelicans bench could handle him, right? Billy Hernan Gomez is kind of in that same mold as Valanciunas, and Jackson, he's just unexperienced, even though at times he shows, right, that athleticism to be, an, uh, to be a positive, but it doesn't always work out that way. When in doubt, put Herb Jones on him. I mean, <laughs> he can guard mm, one through that's five. That's an idea. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what, uh, but I really believe well, there's Larry that's going to be. We did, I completely overlooked Larry. and Larry's been solved, but you know, DeAndre Larry, can shoot it, over him, I would think. He has been a pleasant surprise. Uh, that veteran guidance that he has, although I don't know what, how much playoff uh, experience he's had, but he's a veteran. He understands the game. Yeah, I'm telling you, um, what, uh, what odds now – with Booker being out, and you know everybody complains Booker's out, we still have Zion out. I haven't had him all year long, so that's a right. wash. Okay, that's a wash. Um, the current makeup of the Suns, the current makeup of the Pels. What's your thoughts down the road? I mean, three and four in the in the Smoothie King Center. That place is already sold out. It's going to be crazy. 
Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I saw Las Vegas odds. I think they have the Suns as a one-point favorite, so it's almost a pick them. But with the Pelicans, they've got, you know, three games at home. Suns only have two more if it, if the season or the series goes seven. But I'll tell you what, I like this team better on paper and just the way they're playing. So I'm not going to be afraid to say it. If Devin Booker does not come back in the series, I think you got to favor the Pelicans, at least from where I sit. They're playing way too well. They've got their superstar B.I. playing really well. And there's a lot of guys contributing right off the bench. You've got Trey Murphy, Larry Nance, Jose Alvarado. You're eight deep right now, and that's what I think it takes, right? Having eight guys you can rely on. And right now, Willie Green can. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. I've seen it a million times. I've played in games where the other team that we're playing against doesn't have their best player because of an injury. And 99.9% of the time, that team comes out and gives you their very best shot in the next mm-hmm. game. And I, I, Phoenix is going to do that. So I think it is so critically important. I know the pressure's on Phoenix because they lost home serve. But I think all the pressure in the world is on the Pels in game three because the longer Phoenix has to play without Devin Booker, advantage Pelicans. But that first game, game three, I'm telling you, they're coming out. And they're trying. They're going to try and put a knockout blow on the Pels from the get-go. This one's a, this this game three is critical for the Pels to have a chance to win the series. Yeah, I can't argue. And CJ McCollum backed that up after practice today. He's talking about them losing their home court, about being a wounded animal. Suddenly, they don't know what to expect. Right? Where is Phoenix going to turn to for about 20 shots a game to break mm-hmm. up? You know, to uh, space out what Booker was giving them. There's so many questions, he says, because before, at least you knew what you had to do and who, where the responsibilities laid and who you had to basically put the primary focus on. Now, that's up in the air. But I will say one thing. Watching these guys in practice, walking off the court when they got done with their shooting today, you couldn't sniff an ounce of pressure in that, in that practice facility. They were having too much fun. Najee waved by the cameras as CJ was talking to us. Trey Murphy was acting like an airplane. It might be a good thing that they're this young, I would say, because they're not going to yeah. understand Game 3 until they're there. But up until that point, I think they're, they're going to be so loose that they're going to be able to handle it in a strange way. Because if we saw them, what they did in Game 2, not, not fold under all that pressure, I think they'll be fine. For some reason, I, get a, I got good vibes with this group in this locker room. You're the best. Ali Cassell, I can't wait till Friday night, man. Uh, thanks for the time. Let's, let's rock and roll. And whew, Game three's critical. Can't wait. Thank you, buddy. I know. I'm with you, Jory. Let's see how far we can keep this ride going because this is turning into something magical. Almost, It almost feels like. I feel like we're a part of it, man. Absolutely. Take care of yourself, <laughs> man. Ali Cassell Thanks, at the Bird Rights. We will continue our NBA conversation talking about the, the league in its entirety with Grant Hughes from Bleacher Report after this timeout. The Jordy Helper Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back. The Jordy Helford Show brought to you by Ducks. Ducks, the indoor air professionals cleaning America's air from the inside out. A triple header in the NBA playoffs tonight. Memphis, Minnesota tied at a game apiece. Dallas and Utah tied at a game apiece. Pessimism for Luka Doncic's return in game three. And the Golden State Warriors with a two games to zip advantage over the Denver Nuggets. It's all about who's playing, who's not playing. Let's get the latest thoughts around the association from our good friend, Grant Hughes from Bleacher Report. Man, Grant, I I say it all the time. These are the greatest athletes in the world. And when it comes to playoff time, it is so fun to watch how great these players are against great defense. It's been been sensational uh, to this point, in my opinion. What say you? Yeah, I agree. It it always it strikes me every year. You you kind of forget because we go whatever it is five ish months of the regular season, and right. you know it's no secret that everybody's everybody's best effort isn't there. You know each night, but then the yeah. playoffs show up, and it's just everything levels up. Uh, you know everybody's playing as hard as possible. It's just all the best parts kind of all come out. So I, I agree. It's th- this postseason's been great. You know for lots of specific reasons, but just generally seeing everything kind of crank up to 10 is always great. It's amazing. All right, let's start with the local factor. The Pelicans uh, get a win on the road in Phoenix. Devin Booker had an unbelievable first half, and he has that grade one hamstring strain. I don't know. He's not going to play in game three or four. That's too soon. After that, who knows? Uh, What does that injury do to this series? Yeah, I, I think, well, first of all, the hamstring, hamstrings and calves, those things, that, those can linger, and the re-injury is always a huge risk with those two things. And Booker has had hamstring issues before this one this season. Okay. So uh, I, I think if he doesn't play again in this series, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I, I, I just still, you know, New Orleans, I think this series is a victory for the Pelicans, as it is, uh-huh. just because you got – a phenomenal Ingram performance uh, to win a game. Um, and that great fourth quarter he had. You've had McCollum looking like he can be, you know, your your floor leader going forward. So I don't think the Pelicans can win the series, even if Booker doesn't come back. It shouldn't be controversial. It's an eight versus a one, right? But right. Um, I think they can get another game, maybe push this to, to six. Um, and, and again, this is a win already because you've seen the, the most important players, Herb Jones, throw him in there too. He's had great moments. Um, you've seen those guys really shine. So I think, I think Booker being out extends this series probably, but not, I, I can't go all the way to, to picking an upset. With, with, if everything goes according to plan and Zion Williamson returns next season, are you buying stock in this club with the coach, with the players that they have? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, I, it's you know fit is always going to be tricky with Zion, um, yeah. just because he's such a different. There's just aren't really guys like him. Uh, you know, the, the a huge guy that handles the ball all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is, uh, you know, Willie Green. This team was one and twelve. I think that's what it was. Uh, and right. to 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 get. And, and, you know, a lot of off-court stuff took the focus this year. You know, they made a big trade, and the Zion stuff hung over the team all year. Uh, to get the players to stay bought in and to not just let go of the rope, uh, that's huge because now you sort of feel more comfortable that you've got a, a steady hand, that you've got a, a coach that the players respect. And we know that can change on a dime, but I, I don't think that's going to be the case. 
so I, I feel really good about New Orleans going forward. I don't I don't know where I'd put them in the West, you know, next year, but it would be a I, I don't know how you feel. It'd be a pretty big disappointment to me if they didn't at least make it back to the playoffs. You can't absolutely. you can't go backwards with with this no, momentum. No, absolutely. So Booker uh, is a loss, obviously, to the Suns, but you believe the Suns can advance. Chris Middleton is uh, got a medial collateral ligament sprain in his left knee um, as Milwaukee, the reigning champs, lost to the Chicago Bulls in Milwaukee, 114-110. What's the bigger loss, Booker to the Suns or Middleton to the Bucks? I think it might be Middleton. Uh, and we don't know the severity. Uh, you know, MCLs, right. there's three grades to them. Uh, third, third degree, grade three is the worst. You know, if it's grade, if it's grade two, he's probably out for the entire postseason. If it's grade one, right. we're talking a couple weeks maybe. Um, I think the Bucks will win this series, even though, you know, the Bulls kind of handed it to them last night. But I do think if Middleton is not back, the Bucks can't win a title. And, and they were my pick to come out of the East uh, to, you know, I don't know what a, I've gone back and forth on them winning the whole thing, but mm-hmm. but I don't think they can do it without Middleton. They just don't have enough right. uh, secondary scoring. They don't. They lose their you know one of their better wing defenders. So that's the big one to me. I think if Booker's back in a couple weeks, then the Suns are as dangerous as they were before. Um, but that Middleton's a huge one, a huge one huge for us. Uh, last night saw two unbelievable games. Joel Embiid, uh, Doc Rivers draws up a play, and I've never seen. <laughs> other than maybe Dirk Nowitzki at seven feet tall, where you draw up a play for a seven-footer outside the three-point line, and uh, Joel Embiid knocks it down for a 104-101 win over the Raptors. It's like James Harden is 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 way in the background, uh, but Embiid was terrific. Uh, an overtime win. Um, Sixers lock up that series. They lead three-zip. Um, how about that one? Yeah, I think... I think your, your point about Harden is is one that it doesn't matter now, um, right. but it's going to matter later. I, I think I think it's pretty clear to me that Harden just isn't that guy anymore. Um, no. He he really a smart defense. I mean, if they end up seeing the Celtics at all, just forget it because yes. because Harden just can't finish around the basket at all. And I think a smart defense is going to just dare him to make layups against you know one guy contesting it, and he's not going to be able to do it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a big issue for them. But that, that series is over. I think Toronto just, you know, yeah. they, they just don't have – they don't have a size, number one. I mean, they, they played small all year, and Embiid is just the last guy that you, you want to <laughs> send some 6'8", six, 6'9", six, guys at. He is something. Uh, the best – man, the Boston Celtics are good. They outscore the Nets by five in the third, by 12 in the fourth to turn back – a uh, big time deficit to a 114-107 win. That's the best defensive team I've seen all year long. They've got length, they've got size, they've got quickness. They're well coached. Man, I, I'm starting to. I don't know who's going to beat the Celtics, in my humble opinion. But the big question is, what the heck's going on with Durant and Irving? Man, I, I've never seen Durant. I think he was 0 for 10 in the second half last night. I just, uh, I've never seen part of it. He was just off, right? Like he felt like he just didn't have a handle on the ball. He was dribbling off his foot, just, you know, losing possession. But I mean, you know, it's the same question you always got to ask is, well, how much of that is, you know, how hard he's working to get open the pressure he's feeling. 
Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. This Boston defense is, uh, is really, really special. So yeah. if they can just get enough, if Tatum can have a big game here and there, if Jalen Brown can score uh, consistently, then man, I think they're the best team in the East now with, with Milwaukee losing Middleton. Um, but I agree. that defense is really incredible. Dur- I would expect Durant to have a monster game three um, just because he's, he's that great. But, but I, I, you, don't, you don't fall down 2-0 and win a lot of series. So, so I think Boston's thought- going to move on. And then – they're either going to get Milwaukee without Middleton or a Bulls team that I kind of haven't believed in all year. So right. they're, they're looking pretty solid right now. I, I expected Durant to play, come out and play a monster game too, uh, but they didn't. Yeah. And Kyrie Irving, he's fasting and all that stuff. And so he was a but, – but, man, they just – Boston, pass, cut, pass, cut. It looked like the old Havlicek ways, days. Um, how much do you put on Steve Nash? And there's so much, so much criticism – from inside the league about in-game adjustments that just don't seem to exist with Steve Nash? I think, so when he first got that job, I was really pessimistic because I thought that that was just going to be kind of an impossible team to coach. Forget that he had no head coaching experience. I mean, that's that's an issue too. I think, I mean, yeah, the, the Nets offense looks really stagnant. And a lot of times it's, four guys standing around watching Irving or Durant try to do something. Um, but when you have stars like that, it's just hard to coach them. Like, I, I yeah. mean, do we really think he's not? Steve Nash is one of the greatest offensive players in the history of the sport. Do we right. really think he doesn't know how to draw up a, a motion offense or, yeah. you know, some sets to get guys open? I think it's more that the Nets have two superstars, they like to play a certain way, and that trumps what the coach wants to do. Uh, maybe I'm making apologies for Nash, but you, you, we've seen it too many times. You know, the superstars decide how things go most more often than not. So I think he he's he's in a tough spot to begin with, and he's also up against the best defense in the league. That, that doesn't help either. More kudos to Phil Jackson and how he handled that team because they ran that offense to precision and the championships – came and came and came uh let's talk about the team out in your area man the golden state well don't tell me they've got another weapon now because uh i mean steph comes in what did he play um 20 something minutes coming off the bench and uh played 23 minutes scored 34 points but this jordan pool with 29 clay thompson with 21 man are they are they starting to kick it into gear? How do you feel about the Warriors now? I'm I'm trying not to get you know out over out over my skis too much. Uh, I, so I thought when they started the year, I thought they were the best team in the league, and they had the best record in the league, you know, until Draymond got hurt. Right. Um, this the way they're playing now. I mean, Denver's Denver's kind of a rough. Denver is not a good. It is a very good matchup for the Warriors. It's a terrible yeah. matchup for Denver because they just don't have enough. Scoring, they miss, you know, they're their second players. and third best players yeah. are hurt. Right, they they don't have enough defense. Jokic can't chase these guy these guards around. So, but yeah, I think I think the Warriors right now, if Booker is out for a, you know a good chunk, I think the Warriors should be the favorites to come out of the West. Um, I, just because, like, I mean, they, what have they got? Two twenty point wins. They're just and they yeah. the way they're scoring is just ridiculous. So, um, one thing on pool, people need to understand. He was in the G League last year. Like it's this crazy. guy, this guy was not guaranteed to you know be, to get 
another look, right? Like he went down to the G League last year and he's up and he's doing this now. The the amount he's improved is I just I almost can't remember someone with that that kind of a turnaround in such a short amount of time. Credit to him. I mean, that guy works. How long before Steph gets back in the starting lineup or does he like coming off the bench as he's the new sixth man of the year? Yeah, right. I mean, I think we're we're getting a glimpse of uh, what age, like thirty nine, Steph Curry's career will be like, where he just God. comes in and catches fire for twenty minutes and goes and rests again. I I, I think it's really got to be it's it's either Poole or Wiggins that comes out of the starting five. Uh, so, yeah. and, and I think I think Curry and Poole are going to close every game. So, who starts? I think is kind of a it's not as important, but right. uh, I mean, Wiggins hasn't Wiggins wing defense is important, but he, I mean, I'm taking him out before I'm taking pool out. I don't want to do anything to mess I'm with pool. Give me the three guards, uh, Looney. You don't have to ever shoot unless you rebound one and stick it back in and Draymond, you just be the quarterback and you just keep finding these guards that they keep cutting and moving, man. That's a fun, fun team to watch Dallas. Uh, Utah, uh, this this series has a lot of implications. I don't know if Luke is going to play or not. Um, you hear Coach Quinn being mentioned about things. You hear uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And, uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. This might be the last hurrah of uh, the composition of this ball club. How do you see that series going? Yeah, there's always a team every every year in the playoffs where it kind of feels like if it doesn't work this time, we're, there's yeah. going to be some changes. And you mentioned all the reasons that we've you know have been kind of floating around for a while. Um, the fact that Dallas won a game at all, I feel like, is a pretty big knock on Utah because Doncic yeah. isn't playing. And I I think if he does play, we should assume he's going to be hampered significantly just because again the calf is tough. Like you, you we look. Kevin Durant tore his Achilles trying to play on a on a on a calf you know a calf strain a couple of years ago. So um, it's it's no small thing. Um, yeah, the Jazz seem likely to to make serious changes. You know, if Dallas wins another game, can you imagine if Utah went down two one in this series? Just wow, it, it would be it would get so noisy so quickly. Yeah. Uh, Jay Wright is he going to be the coach of the Lakers or is he going to be really retire? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, it's funny that that's the first thought everybody had, right? Like, well, it yeah. must be. I, I don't know. I, I, I think. I think the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers don't have a lot of great options. Let's you know, in, in any capacity. Right. So uh, that to me would be. It's just you just can't hire the college coach with no pro experience, right? It just. It, right. It, what is what's the success rate on that? It just almost never works. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, my poor Jerry West. My gosh, that that show's killing him. It's killing him. It's terrible. It's it's funny. Like I I feel like anybody that knows anything about Jerry West knows that that's the the portrayal of him is just like a you know he's cursing and screaming and running out of rooms and and it's like that's just that's I mean him. that's so far from from what anyone who knows Jerry West. Uh, has ever said right. I, yeah, I, that's yeah. got to be tough for him. What, what did he? He's. I think. Uh, what are we getting some he's suing for? Yeah, maybe he's, uh, he's demanding an apology. He's suing. I don't blame him. Um, before we go, you get out of here. All right. Um, you've seen all these playoff games. You've seen some players step up. You saw DeRozan get forty-one. You see Embiid hit that shot. Uh, who who are you picking if you got the first pick of any player? To start your franchise, who's the best player in the league now? 
I still think it's Giannis. Uh, and, okay. and I just, I could understand if somebody wanted Doncic or Embiid or Jokic or, I mean, I don't think Curry should be out of that, but, but with Giannis, I just have no questions about that guy setting the right example I want from my best player. Um, uh-huh. He gets better every year. He works incredibly hard. Like all the intangible stuff really does it for me. And he's got two MVPs and he's won a title. So that like, that doesn't okay. hurt either. Who'd you vote for, for MVP this year? I, I voted for I would vote for Giannis, um, but Jokic's statistical case is pretty indisputable. I just think okay. that doesn't capture all the other stuff I was just talking I about. Agree. All the, you know, the leadership, all that. You stuff. can't go by stats alone. I'm with you. He's the best, uh, Grant Hughes. It's the best time of the year. It's a really great high level basketball. I love it. I know you do. Thanks for the time, man. It's always great talking with you. All right, thanks. All right, Grant Hughes, Bleach Report. It's time to laugh until it hurts, but the pain will be for a great cause. Cajun Comic Relief returns Saturday, April 23rd at Angel Hall. The comedy event, with its proceeds benefiting the Cajun Navy Ground Force, will feature comedians and entertainers Sam Joe Bear, Steve Shaw, and the Raging Cajun John Morgan. Jeff Horshack and our very own Raymond Parse III will serve as co-MCs for the event. Tickets cost just 30 bucks and can be purchased at Eventbrite, E-V-E-N-T, B-R-I-T-E dot com. Wrap up our number one next. Uh, Cycle Zydeco is a festival on wheels. Experience mouth-ordering Cajun cuisine and live performances by some of the best bands in Louisiana. The ride, which will take place this week and weekend, and includes tours of many attractions and options for camping or staying in hotels. Immerse yourself in Acadiana, the birthplace of Zydeco, home to both Cajuns and Creoles alike. If you're looking to volunteer or for more information, visit CycleZydeco.org. Our number one's in the books. Our number two, straight ahead. This is the Jordy Heltberg Show. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're going to be here all day! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party! Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go. The Jordy Holtberg Show brought to you by Ducks. Ducks Indoor Air Professionals Cleaning America's Air. From the inside out, we spent hour number one talking about the Pelicans and the NBA, but tonight, baseball at the box, LSU hosting Missouri. It's another Thursday, Friday, Saturday affair. All the games, of course, will be live right here on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Joining us now, our good friend, the voice of Alec Box Stadium, Skip Bertman Field, the longtime baseball sports information director. And uh, on the road, he is the color analyst on the LSU Sports Radio Network, uh, Bill Franquez. William, man, I hope you had a good Easter, buddy. How are you? I did. Thank you. I hope y'all did as well. Uh, it was, um, you know, not from a baseball standpoint, it wasn't the it wasn't. best Easter weekend, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tigers uh, dropped three games in Fayetteville to Arkansas. But uh, the good news is that uh, we're just halfway through the SEC schedule. 
And, um, you know, with the exception of Arkansas and Tennessee, the rest of the SEC is pretty well compressed. Right. Look at the standings. And uh, aside from those two teams, no other school has more than nine wins in the league. And LSU right now at seven and eight is bunched up with a lot of other teams. So there's still, uh, you know, a lot of opportunities, obviously, with five weeks to go in the season for LSU to, to make a move and ascend up into the, into the SEC standings and hopefully into the, uh, the rankings and into the RPI as well. Uh, last time I checked, LSU was at number 30 RPI. So naturally, I'm going to try to get into that top 16 and have a chance to host right. a regional. Right. Uh, I'm going to put a disclaimer here. This is Jordy Hultberg's opinion and no one else's right. opinion. Certainly not Bill Franquez's opinion. Okay. Why in the Sam Hill do they, does baseball play at noon on Saturday and the spring football games at one o'clock? That makes absolutely zero, zero sense whatsoever. None. Okay. I got that out of my system. Anyway, right. um, I'll, I'll, I'll reserve comment. Yes, I, yes. I know what you're saying. It just doesn't make sense to me, but that's okay. Uh, um, how significant was the win over the Raging Cajuns on Tuesday after coming off that? That so I mean, it's so odd because you sweep Mississippi State on the road, then you go to Fayetteville and you get swept by Arkansas. And I, I mean, I, I got to believe the wheels. You had to put the old lug wrench to tighten them up a little bit. How significant was the win Tuesday over the Raging Cajuns? Yeah, I think it was significant for a lot of reasons, Jordy. Uh, Coach Johnson pointed out before the game that uh, UL ha- has a very good RPI. Uh, they're near the top of their conference in the Sun Belt, certainly with an opportunity to win the Sun Belt. So it was a, a valuable win uh, for the Tigers in, term- in terms of RPI, first of all. And then secondly, of course, it was an opportunity to, to play at a much higher level than, than the way the Tigers put played against Arkansas. Granted, Arkansas is a, a top-10 team, but right. certainly LSU feels like it should have won that first game on Thursday. It was, it was a game that you know, a, a couple of defensive plays that should have been made aren't made, and that's the difference in the game. So I think after those three losses, it was great for LSU to come back home after two straight weekends on the road, play a good opponent in the Cajuns, and play really well. Uh, Coach Johnson said he was as pleased with the way the team played in that game on Tuesday night as he's been all season long. A lot of quality at bats, a lot of key uh, two-strike hits, uh, getting on base via the walk in key situations, getting hit by pitches, as LSU has done all year. Just a lot of uh, uh, very uh, productive plate appearances at the right time, a lot of timely hitting uh, that made a big difference. Uh, Jordan Thompson's uh, two-strike home run uh, that highlighted a five-run fourth inning that gave LSU the lead for good. That was a huge play. Uh, Dylan Cruz in that same inning, a two-out, two-run single. Just some some clutch hitting and key two-strike hitting that made a big difference, and Chris Johnson was really pleased by that. It'll be McKaylee Hilliard on the bump tonight for a 7 o'clock first pitch um, against Missouri. A coach is always constantly tinkering, especially when things aren't going the way that he wants to go, and so now it appears that Josh Peterson – uh, Peterson, Josh Pearson, the freshman, uh, is now kind of entrenched in the leadoff spot. And um, I guess the leadoff hitter, the main thing is don't you don't have to hit, you just get on base and set the table. Yeah, and apparently exactly. he's done that quite well. Yeah, uh, coach has a lot of uh, faith in Josh Pearson. And he, he's raved about the guy really since the fall and just early in the season with so many uh, returning 
players in the outfield. There wasn't a spot for Josh, but you know, he's found his way into the lineup, and I think you'll see him there for the rest of the year. I think it's very likely you'll see him there as the leadoff hitter, at least uh, continuing this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. Josh is, as you said, a very tough at-bat. He's, a, I'd say, a prototypical leadoff hitter in the fact that he's going to make the pitcher work, and he's going to give the guys on deck an opportunity to see a lot of pitches and get an idea of what, uh, what the, the pitcher is capable of. Not only is he capable of getting on base, he's capable of, of giving you an extra base hit. And uh, he, he's the guy that uh, certainly, uh, I think, is a, is a great candidate to set the table for what Jay believes are his next two hitters and his two best hitters in Dylan Cruz and Jacob Berry. He likes Dylan batting second and Jacob batting third. Those guys are probably your, your, your two overall best hitters. And then following them, Kate Doty and Trey Morgan in the four and five oh. slots, those might be your most consistent uh, hitters with runners on base. So, I, yeah, I, I think uh, he he said you know, he, did, he never really felt comfortable with Trey Morgan in the leadoff role. Didn't feel like Trey was the leadoff guy. You want you want guys on base when Trey comes to the plate. So right. I think Pearson is a guy that uh, I, you know it, it worked out very well on Tuesday night. I'm look I'm planning on seeing it again tonight, and hopefully the Tigers will have success with it throughout the weekend. This is a game that features the teams, the two best at getting hit by pitches. Nobody gets hit yeah. more than LSU and the SEC, and right in front of them is Missouri. So maybe he who gets hit the most wins. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, Missouri is uh, is a lot like uh, UL, Jordy. Uh, Jay compared them, a similar type of clubs, uh, you know, okay. scrappy offensively. Uh, and it's so important to keep the leadoff hitter off the base pass, and that was a key uh, reason why LSU won the game on Tuesday against the Cajuns, because LSU retired the leadoff hitter in eight of the nine innings back on Tuesday. And so they do the same thing against Missouri. Missouri uh, generates a lot with its running game, uh, much like uh, the Cajuns do, so that would be a, a big key. That The Missouri Tigers don't have a whole lot of power, uh, 35 home runs on the year, but they can generate offense uh, by stealing bases and, and hitting and running. So Again, keeping that leadoff man uh, off the bases will be a big uh, a big task for the Tigers this weekend. Bill Frank is with us. LSU, Missouri, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, tonight, 7 o'clock. You mentioned Tennessee. They're 14-1, leading uh, the the East and going running away with it. Arkansas yeah. has a three-game lead uh, in the SEC West. They're 11-4, three games better than Auburn, A&M, Alabama, four games ahead of LSU. Is Arkansas just that good, or was there an underlying problem for LSU this past uh, SEC series? Yeah, Jordy, you know Arkansas is really good. Um, I don't think I don't think there's so much a problem. I think there was a you know there was a lack of execution, especially on Thursday night when, when really the game was 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 in LSU's control, mm-hmm. and the, and the Tigers let it slip away with, with some some defensive misplays. They weren't ruled as errors, but they were there were plays that quite frankly should have been made. So I don't know necessarily there was a problem other than that. Other than on Thursday night, that Arkansas was really good. Uh, Jay described them as the best team LSU has played all year. Just, just they're the most balanced team. They have great starting okay. pitching. They have a very balanced lineup uh, that moves the baseball. Uh, they they don't strike out a whole lot. Um, they can run. And, and number one, and the thing that really jumped out as the difference between the two teams right now is that Arkansas can play defense. I mean, it was rare that a ball mm. got through their infield. Uh, their third baseman, Wallace, the shortstop uh, battles, and the second baseman, Moore, those guys are phenomenal. Arkansas leads the SEC in fielding percentage, and we saw why 
a lot of hard hit balls by the Tigers, but man, it, it was like hitting up against a wall with that yeah. infield. And so I think that was a big difference. Just Arkansas played really well, and I think defense really separated them throughout the weekend. Got to get a win tonight. Mikhail Hiller's on the mind with a 3-0 record, 3.83 ERA, going against right-handed pitcher Spencer Miles, who's 2-3 with a 6.30 ERA. So, boy, advantage yeah. and, and all the stats that favor LSU in this one. Um, yes. Man, they got to get this one tonight, right? Got to. Uh, you're absolutely right, Jordy. Of course, winning game one has been an issue for the Tigers. Uh, LSU yeah. only won the first game of the series once so far through the first five SEC weekends. That was a couple weeks ago with that great comeback against Mississippi State in the ninth inning. Otherwise, the Tigers have not had a whole have had no game one success. So, yeah, mm. getting off the good start tonight is uh, very essential, and no better guy on this staff than having Mikhail Hilliard. Mikhail's been super consistent. You know, he's not going to uh, overwhelm you with his velocity, but he does have a great curveball. Uh, he, he competes. Uh, he, he's very intense and focused on the mound. And it seems like every time he pitches, he gives you a chance to win the game. He might not uh, light up the, the, the box score with some impressive numbers, but every time he leaves the game, it seems like LSU's either you know, down by, up by a couple of runs or, or down by a run. LSU's always in the game. Mikhail Hilliard's on the mound, and that's certainly uh, what they'll need from, the, from him tonight. Uh, Missouri, uh, pitching-wise, do not look very impressive on paper. However, I will say uh, they've won three in a row. Uh, they lost game one last week into Kentucky. They roared back, beat Kentucky soundly twice in a row, and then they won their midweek game against Missouri State. So they're coming in here with a little bit of confidence right now. And uh, I, as, as Coach Johnson said, yeah, I don't expect this weekend to be different than any other SEC weekend. They're all yeah. a grind. Yeah, absolutely. But, but we as fans um, can mm-hmm. kind of look ahead. You're going to be favored. Yeah. You should you should get two out of three against Missouri. Um, then right. you get Georgia at home. Georgia's second place in the East, but you get them at home. So we can see from that. Right. Alabama, one game ahead of you right now. You got to go to Sewell Thomas Stadium, and then you get maybe the most disappointing team in the league, the Ole Miss Rebels at the box. So, yeah. Um, yep. and, and yeah, then you got to go to play Vanderbilt, who's not living up to expectations uh, either this year. So, I mean, you, you still got everything ahead of you. No, absolutely, Jordy. That, that's uh, that, that's what I was saying at the outset that you know, you, it's the second half of SEC play begins. You know, naturally, we're a little disappointed. We're under 500 at seven and eight in the league. Feel like we let some games get away, um, particularly right. at home. Losing our first two SEC series at home to A and M and Auburn was disappointing, but there's still a lot of opportunities ahead. Five weekends, three of the five are at home. Uh, the Tigers are right in the mix for a, a high seed. Naturally, your goal is to finish among the top four in the SEC. And that's right. certainly within reach. I don't think a, 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 a conference title or a division title probably not in reach, but certainly. Finishing among the top four in the SEC, I think, is a very realistic goal. And if you get there, then uh, your chances of, of having good postseason positioning are very good as well. Awesome. Um, enjoy uh, your nights at, at the box. Um, I still don't understand how you can play a baseball game at noon and a spring football game at one, but that's my problem, <laughs> not yours. Doesn't make sense. But other than that, good luck to the Tigers tonight, man. Let's get a, let's just get one win. And then let's worry about the next game, the next game, and go from there, big guy. But thank you so much, Bill. Thank you. Thanks, Jordy.
That is uh, our good friend, Bill Frankes, the voice of Alec Box Stadium. Um, the NBA playoffs means next level basketball. Get in on the first round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. So you win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, each day of the first round, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code 1037GAME at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Disclaimer time, 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana, availability varies by parish, eligibility restrictions apply, minimum $5 minimum deposit, see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP, that's 1-877-770-7867. They ended a 30-year streak to the positive side, tell you that story. Next, here on the Jordy Helford Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Stay with us. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 21st, 2001. The New Orleans Saints select Old Miss running back Deuce McAllister with their first round draft pick. McAllister spent his entire nine year career with the Saints and became a fan favorite. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And welcome back. The Jordy Helpert Show brought to you by Ducks. Ducks, the indoor air professionals, D-U-C-T-Z. Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Well, something happened uh just recently that ended a 30-year drought the lsu women's golf team won the 2022 southeastern conference golf championship in birmingham alabama at uh, graystone country club's legacy club and we're joined now by the uh, victorious head coach garrett runyon to talk about um what a dramatic finish it was. Uh, Coach Runyon, thank you so much for your time. And from all of us to you and your team, congratulations. Hey, Jordy, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. It was uh, obviously a great weekend for the uh, for the Tigers. All right, so um, this went down to the very end, Latana Stone. Tell me about that, uh, that 18th hole and uh, what happened there, and take us back through it. Well, really, I, I probably have to start last year where we we um, we we won the stroke play portion and got off to a great start there, and, um, and unfortunately didn't get it done in match play and lost in the semifinals. And okay. it was a whole year, a whole year where the ladies had to kind of sit on that and, and think about that. So they worked hard and got us back in that position, and they were ready to go. And Latana, uh, one of our leaders on our team, she she was down and. and she birdied the last three holes to close it out. Um, we had a couple other behind her that could have could have saved it as well, but she uh, went ahead and, and got us the securing third point there in match play, and uh, awesome. the rest is history. 
<laughs> That's all. He had a rain delay. How tough is that in golf? About two hours during the championship match. You got to sit and wait and wait. What do you do as a coach with your with your team when you when you can't play? Yeah, uh, you know, if you live in South Louisiana, you, you've seen rain before, so it was nothing new for us. We, we've had okay. a lot of rain delays, but we did have a lot of momentum while we were playing, and we really didn't want to stop because we were up on all our matches, and and you never know how you're going to come out after a rain delay. Uh, one of the things I did um, was I kept our ladies outside. Um, we had had an awning there, and um, we stayed outside, so you know, Florida went inside and they kind of cooled off with the AC and they had lunch and, and, you know, it, I wanted us to stay kind of acclimated to the weather with the temperature yeah. was dropping a little bit and uh, we stayed outside and just, I told them to keep moving, don't sit down um, and, and get all their stuff ready because when they call it, we're going to go out there and have a few minutes to get in place and then we're going to be right in action. And I, I really think that helped us because, we didn't get tired going inside and kind of stiffen up with the AC right. on. Uh, we stayed outside in the in the elements a little bit, and I like to think that gave us a, a little edge, if nothing else, a, a mental edge. Absolutely, Garrett Runyon, uh, kind of joining us, the head coach of the SEC champion LSU women's golf team. How good is Ingrid Lindblad? That girl's going to be making a lot of money on the LPGA tour. Yeah, um, it's pretty unbelievable. I, I said it a couple years ago. She's our Joe Burrow, and um, and she puts <laughs> up crazy. I mean, she really is. She puts up crazy good numbers. And if if she's our Joe Burrow, Latana Stone is our Jamar Chase. Um, okay, you know she she works so hard. Um, she's I, I compare her to Sam Burns when Sam was here and his okay. time. Um, they're just they're long hitters. They just don't ever seem to make a lot of bogeys and just make a lot of birdies. And, um, you know, she's currently ranked number two in the world, uh, world amateur golf ranking. Um, and it just, uh, she just keeps getting better. Her scoring average slowly improved and it's hard to do when you're already in that rare air of a 70.3, 70.5 scoring average. Um, and it's just, um, it, it's hard. It's, it's hard to believe that she can keep getting that much better. And she really is just, uh, fine tuning it. And, um, she won four of our five events in the spring, including the SEC championship uh, individual yeah. title. So she's in the runner for, running for the uh, the Annika Trophy, which is our Heisman Trophy, and mm-hmm. um, we hope she obviously brings it home. Uh, not bad when your best player shoots 66 in the final round, including an eagle on the final hole to win the individual championship. But but she wins her match six. Uh, up six with five to play, six and five. That's like a, man, that's like a f- sixty-three to nothing football win. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's um. It, you can start celebrating a little bit earlier uh, if that was a football game. Um, you know, we as a coach, I went out with my first two matches when uh, Alexis Rather was our assistant. She kind of was in the back two matches, and we had Ingrid sandwiched there in the middle. And for her to go out and control her match and dominate her match that much. It really makes our job easier. And I told her before the match, I said, you're probably not going to see me very much. I'm going to hang around the freshmen and um, and make sure I'm around those that haven't been around the, the Golf Channel camera TVs that much or mm-hmm. been in this situation very much. And she's like, I said, go get me a point. And she said, I got you, Coach. And when she just, <laughs> when she gets on a roll making birdies, she just uh, she keeps going. And that, that's a, that took a lot of pressure off us. That, that was a huge help. 
We've got uh, Garrett Runyon, the head coach of LSU Women's Golf, who won the SEC Championship in Birmingham. What next? And, you know, some, some say that when you win the SEC, that sometimes is more difficult than when you get into the NCAA tournament. How is it in women's golf? Where do you stand and what's next? <laughs> Gordy, it's, it's no different. Um, in the SEC, we have 11 teams ranked in the top 30. Uh, wow. We had five teams that didn't in the SEC championship that didn't make it ranked inside the top 30 that did not make match play. I mean, the 11th wow. ranked team in the country did not make match play, which for those at home, we play, you know, 14 teams in the SEC, we play three rounds and then you cut it to the low eight teams. And then that goes into match play. And um, you're right. We, I mean, there's men and women in our program that have openly said they almost rather win the SEC championship than the national championship. And, Sometimes believe it, it's harder because um, you know there's bragging rights with it. And, and right. after we won, I started kind of thinking of all the players that have come through. We've had Olympians, we've had mm-hmm. Solheim Cup, Curtis Cup, U.S. Amateur winners. Um, we've had LPGA Tour and PGA Tour winners come through these doors and not be able to accomplish the SEC championship. It's just. So many people want to win it, and so many people work so dang hard to try and win it, but only a few get to um, experience it. And uh, this special group got to do it, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Now, what's right. next for us is uh, we've got a little time. We've got regionals announcements on April 27th, and we'll, okay. there's six predetermined sites of where we'll go. Um, we can go anywhere from Stanford out in California all the way to uh, – I think uh, Michigan and, and Vanderbilt are hosting Florida State, Oklahoma State, and uh, New Mexico. So um, we'll find out where we're going, and then we'll get get ready for that. And then um, hopefully the uh, the low four advance from each regional, and and hopefully we get there to get to the nationals. Excuse my ignorance. Do they seed you like they do in a basketball tournament? And if so, you, if you're a high seed, do they send you closer to home? Yes, it's uh well the top six seeds go kind of closest to where they are, and then it just S curves. So the seventh seed goes to the sixth, and it just kind of snakes back and forth. So if you're, you know, we're currently I think twelve or thirteenth in the country right now. Okay, it'll change right. a little bit with the rest of the um, conference championships going on and the automatic qualifiers and all that. But um, they kind of S curve it with the uh, the rankings there, and um, regionals is three rounds. And the low four, each region will have about 12 teams, and the low four okay. teams advance. Uh, we'll play three rounds. We play five Man. players and count the four lowest scores each day. And, um, and giddy up, because it's, it's a shootout. It's a lot of pressure packed. And, um, yeah. you know, it, the teams you have there, if you're a higher seed, but you're, you know, like a Purdue playing in Michigan, that, that Purdue is a lot stronger than, let's say, uh, a, University of Miami playing up in Michigan just because of the Absolutely. different grasses and weather conditions. Uh, certain teams can can certainly be uh, a little more favorable and stuff. But if we do us and play how we can, we uh, we should uh, should do our job. Uh, the only thing with golf is, as you know, that there's no defense in golf, so no, you got to have good offense. Right. And there's nobody to get you the ball, get the ball to you for the layup or for the for the pass for the score. So it's individual as a team it's really uh, amazing but look congratulations i guess the last question um 
Where is that trophy? Who got to take it home? But y'all pass it around. What what happens to that thing? Well, we 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 drove the Sprinter van back from Birmingham, so it sat there on the floor, and the ladies uh, <laughs> took the iPad and rewatched them the broadcast with it leaning up against the trophy on the way That's home awesome. and that was that was really That's, cool to watch awesome. and it's currently in our golf facility right now with the um the other one we have and then all the one the men's have uh, a cool video chuck winstead sent us uh, one of the guys videotaped him making room for this trophy on our trophy wall and i <laughs> i thought that was pretty cool because we've gotten a lot of text messages from the current guys on the uh, men's team, but a lot of former players as well, sending us congratulations and happy for That's us awesome. and stuff. So that was uh, that was awesome to see. Well deserved. The first um, women's uh, golf title in 30 years. My friend Karen Bonson won it in 1992. That was though in Baton Rouge at the at the home course in Santa Maria. You had to go on the road and you did it and you sealed it on the final play. Final player. Um, on the 18th hole. That, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And, and hey, uh, drive for show and putt for dough, right? So go get them. That, that's right, George. Appreciate you having me on. All right, buddy. You take care. That's Garrett Runyon, uh, the SEC champions. That, that, that's awesome. Um, you can experience Festival International like never before by winning the game's Festival International prize pack. Sign up for the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and you'll get a chance to score a pair of Bontal passes. You will get exclusive access to front row and stage areas, shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, pins, and a poster. Experience Festival like never before by winning the Festival International prize pack from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Hump Day Plus One with Huguenin next. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Eon of Lafayette is smarter body contouring, the first robotic touchless laser body contouring device for non-invasive permanent fat loss. You do the crunches, the sit-ups to no avail. This will take care of it permanently. Eon of Lafayette. All right, let's talk all things college sports with my main man. Let's do it. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Michael, Michael, how are you, my friend? I am doing uh, quite well, even though it's uh, Thursday. Uh, it's almost yeah. Friday, so everybody's happy about that, and you can include <laughs> me in that group. There you go. All right, we've got spring football games going everywhere, but the big story collegiately is the, I guess, sudden retirement of Jay Wright, the, um, the I think one of the best coaches out there, coached at Villanova, won two national championships. Uh, when you heard that he was retiring, were you surprised? Yeah. Uh, I, I was shocked. Uh, at first, I'm like, 
okay, is he going to go coach in the NBA? And then you right. look around and realize, nope, he's he's done. He says he's done at age 60. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 59. And if I could stop working at 60, <laughs> hell yeah, I'd do it. Um, so more power to him. Um, yeah. Took Villanova to the Final Four this year. And if not for an injury to their second-leading score, um, you know, maybe they play for the national title. Um, a tremendous amount of success of late at Villanova. And he did it a little bit outside the norm. He didn't recruit a lot of, you know, he didn't recruit anyone in Duns, basically. Right. He got guys who were high-level players, but they also were guys who needed to go to college for two, three, or four years. And you look at Colin Gillespie, he was a five-year guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his team, his teams played smart. Um, they played fast pace when they had the players to do so. They slowed it down when they didn't. He developed some really good pros. You know, Jalen Brunson, I think had 41 points oh. in an yeah. NBA playoff game, either last night or two nights ago. Um, right. he, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that he's leaving because uh, I think Jay Wright's one of those guys who did it the right way. Um, yep. a really good tactician, uh, and by all accounts, a, just a good all-around guy. You hate to see those kind of po- people leave college sports. You never saw his name in a negative vein uh, with illegal recruiting or anything like that. I just wonder how much this new landscape played possibly a part in this with the the transfer portal, the the NIL situation. Um He's got a lot of he's got a lot more energy. He's got many, many more years of coaching in him if he wanted to. I wonder if that played a major role in this. Yeah, I, I would be interested in hearing his um his take. You know, Villanova is a small school, um, but it's also a school that presumably had some money and could do some stuff with NIL. Now again, he wasn't recruiting against the Kentuckys and Kansas right. of the world anyway. So I think the NIL aspect for him and Villanova, frankly, would be what NIL was supposed to be, uh, established players benefiting from their name, image, and likeness. Um, but you know, I think that more and more coaches are speaking out about you know, we're basically not even a full year into the NIL era, and it's already, I think, morphed beyond what it was supposed to be. There is pay-for-play with recruits which NIL was not supposed to be. Um, and maybe that is why he's, he's sort of stepping away. But also, again, um, he's 60 years old. He says he wants to retire for family reasons, and he certainly has enough money to be able to do what he wants. And I think that's the goal of, frankly, everybody. Yeah. Uh, have enough money to do what you want and be able to retire when you want to rather than be told when you have to retire. So yeah. it's, Kudos to him in that regard. Michael Huguenin on 3.com. The NCAA implemented an appeals process for targeting fouls called in the second half of games effective immediately. It was announced today. It's one of several rules changes that will be implemented for this upcoming season. What are your thoughts? I think that's good because I think there are, you know, you and I have discussed this ad nauseum for a decade now. The lack of uniformity when targeting is is called. Um, it's not lack of uniformity from league to league. It's lack of uniformity from game to game. You can watch a noon game in the Big Ten or SEC and see targeting. 
you can watch a game at 3.30 from the Big Ten or SEC and see the same kind of play. It's not called targeting, and then you can watch a night game from those two leagues, and it's targeting again. So um, the the lack of uniformity, I think, is bothersome to everybody, players, coaches, fans, announcers, everybody. And this is a way, I think, to sort of uh, correct some of the mistakes that are made. Um, You know, they've tweaked the targeting rule basically every single year since it's been implemented. And I think everybody agrees that egregious targeting fouls need to be called, and that stuff needs to be legislated out of the game. But a lot of the stuff, I think, again, it goes back to, is that really targeting? And, you know, if it's called on the field, I think sometimes – it's not overturned because it was called on the field. It's a mess. So I think Mm -hmm. the appeals process will um, at least be somewhat of a remedy, though you would like to see um, more uniformity. Again, it's it's irksome. Again, you you literally can watch three games from the same league in the same day in a nine-hour period and see targeting called differently in all three of those games from the same league, which should not happen. Right, I'm with you. Uh, Mike Hugan and On3.com, you know, I, I was just looking at something, and it, it's so ironic. Um, LSU kind of calls themselves DBU, and that's debatable. But they could actually start a defensive secondary this coming season with someone that started their career at Ohio State, Louisiana Lafayette, Oklahoma State, Arkansas, Georgia, it's the new way of the world. It's like yes. every, everybody's here, there, here today, gone tomorrow. Right, and I think if you're if you're one of those old school folks who, you know, likes to see guys developed and earn their starting stripes those days, you know, there's some players like that still around there, but for the most part, dudes want to play right away. Yeah. Um, and they're looking for places that they can play right away. Um, and, you know, spring practices, there were a bunch of spring games last Saturday. There'll be more this Saturday. And even as recently as five years ago, a coach and his staff, after a spring game, got together and said, okay, you know, here's our roster. What do we, you know, what do we think? Which players really need to develop, blah, blah, blah. Now it's like, okay, here's our roster. Where can we go to first? Where can we go in the portal to, right. to plug holes right now? And wow. it, it's bizarre. There was a, uh, a one of the best freshmen in the Pac-12 played at Michigan State. Uh, sorry, Arizona State last year. He entered the portal today. Yes. Um, and th- th- those that's the kind of roster management um, that coaches are dealing with now. Um, it's you know, let's see Billy Napier at Florida as an example. He was very upfront before their spring game last week in saying. I know where my roster has some holes. We're going to be going into the portal to find guys. And somebody also asked him, you know, do you foresee some of your guys leave? And he said, oh, yeah, for sure. So mm-hmm. that that's the way life is now. Um, before, you know, I think transfers out were seen as a big deal. Oh, my goodness, why is that kid leaving? And I think most people now are like, okay, fine, he's not going to play. Let's let him leave. And maybe we can find somebody that can play right away to take his spot. And what I'm coaches curious, will be delving into the portal big time yeah. in the next two weeks. 
I'm, I'm very curious. We hear about all the players in the portal going to other schools like Ohio State cornerback Seven Banks coming to LSU. I wonder how many enter the portal and they don't get a sniff by any right. other team. That That's definitely a case. And I think it, it will be like a lot of things. It will correct itself when because the, the players are going to realize the grass ain't always greener on yeah. the other side. But uh, yeah. Seven Banks, he's an Orlando kid. I actually saw him play in high school. Um, is he good? You're right about that. There's going to be players who uh, have a higher opinion of themselves than yeah. other coaches do, um, and you hope there's not too many of those. But at the same time, I mean, there's you know maybe player A enters the portal hoping to go to that powerhouse school. You can't. Oh, fine. FCS. There's FCS spots. There, there's spots available for a lot yeah. of these guys. But you're right. There's going to be unquestionably players that don't end up with a landing spot, and you feel bad for those guys. Uh, Mike Huguenin on 3com kind enough to join us. I saw where um, Mike Leach was thankful that it rained and that his spring game was called off. <laughs> you got to love him. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Um, I think, you know, you and I talked about this a, a lot as well. Spring games themselves don't really tell you that much. Right. Uh, and... and you know, generally, <laughs> coaches have an idea of what their team looks like after the practices. They don't need the spring game to tell them. Uh, yeah. And there, there's, there are cases where somebody gets hurt in the spring game, and you, you hate mm-hmm. that. But, um, yeah, you're right. Leach, we didn't play a big deal. Okay, who cares? That's Which is, right. it was sort of interesting to hear him say that. Yeah, um, Georgia, I saw just a – I, I heard, I didn't see, I heard that they had their spring game over the weekend. I don't know if you got a chance to see any of it. They lost. They're kind of like LSU was after their national championship, what Alabama is every year. They lost some key players, but they got their quarterback back. Everybody's still, nobody's really high on um, on, on Bennett, the, whatever, the eighth or whatever he is. Um, but he's, he's still around, right? He's still around. Yeah, that, is, that is one of the more bizarre stories. Think about this. Georgia wins the national title. They win it for the first time in 41 years. Stetson Bennett plays 13 good games of football, one poor game against Alabama in the SEC championship game. He's a national title winning quarterback. He announces he's coming back, and a good portion of the Georgia fan base is like, oh my God, please leave. (laughs) And it's it's mind-blowing in a way. Um, You know, is he the most physically gifted quarterback on the roster? Of course not. Is he the most cerebral? Yeah, I think so. Um, And we did a story on him last week. And, you know, what's life like now uh, at Georgia? Um, Stetson Bennett, he's like, yeah, I I still get crap from my brothers and my sister. I still get grief from my friends. Um, But I do have a national title. And that's, that's right. You feel good for the guy in that respect. But it is sort of amazing the the lack of love that he gets from the Georgia fans because he's not a former five-star recruit. And they have a lot of former five-star recruits on that roster, and yet the quarterback who originally walked on led them to a national title. <laughs> Speaking of uh, coming back for another year, when ever does the National Player of the Year forego going professional to come back for another year? And that's, of course, Oscar Sheboy, the um, player of the year for Kentucky in basketball. He said, I'm coming back. He must have yeah, one I, heck of an NIL deal. 
He must. Exactly. And I think that even if you don't like Kentucky, you, you got to like Seaway because the kid works extremely hard. Yeah. Really good dude. Um, does a lot of the dirty work. I mean, think, think of, I mean, he, I don't think I've ever seen somebody relish rebounding like he does. Now, I know Rodman did back in the 90s and stuff, but it is sort of impressive how he, he has no problems getting his hands dirty, so to speak. Not considered a real good NBA prospect because he's really not very offensive-minded. Doesn't have a 15-foot jumper, does all those damage in the low post. So this is what NIL's supposed to do. Him and Armando Baycott of North Carolina, Colin Castleton at Florida is another one. All yep. three of those guys coming back. All three have NIL deals lined up. And Sheepway, you know, here's a guy who, like you pointed out, National Player of the Year, he's going to turn that into really good NIL money. And yep. then the more, again, I got fantastic more power to him. And maybe, you know, fringe prospects not going pro, that's a good thing for college basketball. And it I don't is. mean fringe college players, because obviously Baycott and Shibway are legit college stars, but they're fringe NBA prospects. Right. Those guys coming back is a good thing for college basketball because everybody knows who they are. And that leads to more interest in college basketball, and that's a fantastic thing. Man, I you know, I, I watched Devin Booker play at Kentucky. I watched Tyler Hero play at Kentucky. I never thought in the wildest that they would be as good as they are in the NBA. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's but it's it's also taken them a while to yeah. get this good. And I think yeah. that's the difference. You know, if those dudes weren't one and done in the old days, they would have been in college for two, three, four years. Right. Um I mean think about I guess it was I think it was this morning, uh, Bancaro of Duke, he's going pro. He's going to get drafted early, just like Chet Holmgren's right. going pro of Gunzag and going to get drafted early. But think about, you know, if, if this were 1990, Bancaro, this good as a freshman, what would he be after three or four years of college oh ball? Oh, my gosh. Uh, And maybe Chet Holmgren would weigh 200 pounds after another season of college ball. Um, Again, you can't begrudge those guys because they're going to get immediately rich. But from a terms of basketball development standpoint, um, I think you learn a heck of a lot more in college because you're not more practice time. NBA teams, they're not worried worried about you developing a hook shot. That's right. right. They're worried about you getting on the plane and getting to the next game and playing. So, I, I think college, the development you get in college, um, yeah, everybody knows that's what these, these kids are missing out on. Mike, we got to run. Thank you, man. Have a great week. All right. Always enjoy. Thanks, man. All right, buddy. You're the best. We'll be back to wrap it all up next. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, it's the 21st day of April. If today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with Tony Romo, who's 41 today, and Queen Elizabeth II, a tender 95 years old. Special thanks to our guests, Ali Cassell and Grant Hughes on the NBA and the Pelicans, Bill Franquez, LSU Mizzou tonight here. On 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Garrett Runyon, LSU Women's Golf, and Michael Huguenin. Come on back tomorrow for a fun-filled Friday. James, thank you so much 
I'm Jordy Helper. Until next time, stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy, my friends. And let's all be kind and be happy, my friends. Talk to you tomorrow. So long, everybody. 